the Fiona. Episode 195. The one where we act like we haven't been gone in a year and a half. The Fiona's Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you baptizers out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The The Theonauts! Yes! Oh, it feels good to say that again. Yeah, doesn't it? How you doing, (laughs) Jeremiah? It does. Who are you? Where have you been all my life? I haven't seen you in a week. I know. (laughs) Or two. a year. A minute. I haven't seen you in a minute. (laughs) So, yeah, you still in Texas doing your thing? I'm still here. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting on you to come back to me. <laughs> oh, you sound like a uh, long lost lover looking for her uh, boon companion. <laughs> what 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 part of that statement's incorrect? I don't understand. I mean, it's pretty much all correct. Uh, <laughs> I miss you too, buddy. Oklahoma City is uh, nothing compared to David Gaddy. Yes, and. Although, you know, you could move up here. Oh, that would be <laughs> frightening. <laughs> hey, man, what does Oklahoma City not have that Texas has? That's my question. Texas? Seriously. It doesn't have Texas. <laughs> <laughs> From where I'm sitting, Oklahoma City's pretty, but I do miss Texas. <sighs> I miss my small town of Savoy. I'll tell you that much. Man, and, you know, I'll tell you one thing also. Moving here has really put a damper on this whole Theonauts thing. Yeah. I feel sorry for the listeners who haven't gotten a episode in a year and a half. We looked at that. Or I guess it's been just over yeah, a year, right? Yeah, it's slightly over a year. It's like June of last year was when the last one we did. On, yeah, on chiasm. On chiasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And before that, we had that awesome interview with uh, Dallas Jenkins from The Chosen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, since then, life's been going on, and we haven't done Theonauts. It's kind of yeah. nuts. They're, they're on season three now. Wow. They, they, they had just crazy. finished season two when we did that interview. That's right. So when does season three come out? Man, I'm waiting like crazy for that. And I'm he not, hasn't said anything. I'm not sure exactly. But, but uh, I actually know people who are extras on the set this year. I should, Ooh, I should so get you got some insider info. Yes. I should actually get them in here to interview them. That would be fun. Oh, that would be an awesome interview to do. We mm-hmm. can find out what it's like to uh, sit there in the crowd firsthand when Jesus is feeding the 5,000. Yeah, that's what they were doing. And uh, of course, they probably signed an indie, was it NDI, NDA, whatever, saying, "Hey, NBA, yeah, not not going to disclose non non disclosure agreement, NDA." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's Theonauts. Who's going to hear it anyway? <laughs> right. Especially this episode. It's like, right? People exactly. are like, "Who? 
Who are these people? Who is this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe from another life they remember us. I keep us. thinking, one of these days, we're going to get to the 200th episode. <laughs> like, we will. One of these days. We're only five Lord away. Willing. That's only five Lord years willing. from now. <laughs> <laughs> someday, David, I promise. Someday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Oh, so what have you been doing that's fun? Is there any, like... Uh, Anything new happen in your life that you can expound upon us? So the craziest thing, let's see. I had the best summer in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Falls Creek. Uh, I had seven kids come forward and accept Christ at Falls Creek. Yay. Which was absolutely awesome. I've gotten to baptize them all, except for one. I'm waiting on to hear back. But uh, which is it's pretty epic. So I've been in the baptistry a little bit. Yeah. And then doing that this weekend, by the way. That's right. So uh, that we had an awesome mission trip uh, where we went to Reno, Nevada. Yeah. And hung out with a lot of uh, homeless people and got to feed them and do worship with them and, you know, uh, tell them the good news of the gospel of Jesus went and uh, almost died in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. That was pretty epic. Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't die. You don't seem shocked by that, by the way. <laughs> did I tell you that story? I think you did, but it, it must not last. It must not left a, a lasting impression for some reason. I don't know. What did you do that okay. you almost died? So just for the listener's experience, I will tell you my horror story. So I don't know if you have seen me in person, dear listener, but I am not what you would call a small guy. I am 300 and some odd pounds of pure, beautiful manhood. Uh, (laughs) I have a six pack, but it's swathed in fat. Let's just leave it at that. So uh, we were on jet skis in the middle of Lake Tahoe. And I don't know if you know anything about Lake Tahoe, but it's 1,400 feet deep at its center. It is one of the deepest lakes in the United States. It is absolutely beautiful, absolutely freezing. It's always choppy. It's, a, it's an awesome lake. And uh, we decided, the youth group decided to rent jet skis. And I decided to help out one of our students who had never been on a jet ski before. And I decided to let him drive. So I wasn't in control at all, and we were out in the middle of the lake, and he decided to cut really fast, and when he did, we both flew off the jet ski. The only problem is, and anybody who's larger out there understands, there is immediate fear whenever you fly off a jet ski and you are not in standing water. It is crazy because you have nothing to pull yourself up on and that's a little jet ski compared to my big frame so trying to pull myself up on a jet ski in the middle of this 1400 feet deep lake was absolutely ridiculous and i swear to you i thought i was going to die i literally felt like but you had a life jacket on yeah i did have a life jacket on and I guess there's a lesson in that somewhere. <laughs> but at that moment, I didn't feel like I was safe because of the life jacket. I just felt like I'm going to float out here until I eventually drown or die. Die of, of starvation. <laughs> yeah. Of starvation, that's right. <laughs> Immediately worrying where my next meal is coming from. That's what I was thinking. No, <laughs> How am I going to get that sushi? How am I going to get that burger I wanted? 
Oh, well, luckily, I found a pull-down handle, and Wonderlay was able to go to the... He climbed around to the very front of the jet ski on the other side of the handlebars <laughs> and pushed down on it while I climbed my big butt up onto the back of that jet ski, and we made it out of there without drowning the jet ski and dying. So, uh, you know, oh. I'm still here. Oh, so speaking of where to get your last meal... Oh, by the way, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> Thank die. you, David. I'm, Thank you so much. I'm, yes, let's move on to meals <laughs> now. What's up? <laughs> so I had the most amazing thing I didn't know. So did you know that Chick Fil A has a secret menu? No, really? Burgers, dude. Oh, bull. No, I yeah. don't believe that at all. Yes, they they don't. Their whole point is don't you know don't eat beef, that, eat more chicken. I know, but that's the thing. See, they can't like put it on the regular menu now because the cows, like they got the cows that they're advertising. <laughs> but yeah, so, run up to go, go up to and say, hey, I heard that if I really want a burger, I can get one, and see what happens. They'll totally totally get you a, a burger. Have you done this in person? I, I went. I went uh, two days ago. Amazing Chick Fil A sauce, everything so good. They they literally gave you a burger. Is this in Sherman? <laughs> no, this was in Dallas. Okay, dude, that's crazy. I'm about to try that out because I okay. So I saw it on TikTok, right? You saw that, and on I'm TikTok? like, yeah. I was like, straight. That's cap. There's no way. No way that Chick-fil-A really gives you burgers. This is all fake news, right? <laughs> so now I'm going to have to try it. I, I believe you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you? Never ste- I've never. Yeah, you've never steered I've me wrong never before, David. you wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll have to see, bro. Oh, we'll have yeah, to see. it's pretty amazing. But, but uh, okay, so next week I'll give you a report because I'll go there this this week. And I'll find out. We'll just see. Okay. By next Theonauts, guys, we'll find out if David's telling the truth <laughs> about the burger at Chick-fil-A. Because that, that just doesn't make sense to me. Just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of inevitable. Because, you know, fast food and all that sort of thing. But I know, but Chick-fil-A is so pure. I mean, they're Christian. They're the only Christian fast food Christians get, don't eat right? meat? I mean, come on. Uh, Christians don't eat burgers? Come on. <laughs> but when they say they just serve chicken, I mean, well, they don't, I mean, they don't technically say that. They just have the cows on their advertising saying it's their advertising. Okay, yeah, okay, eat I more chicken. You. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of not stirring, uh, uh, swerving me. Well, how do I say that? Not steering me wrong. You, uh, you're the one that prepared. Tonight's theological study. So, uh, I did. do you want to introduce it? Do you want to jump into it? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, today we're talking about John the Baptist and the uh, the baptisms that John the Baptist prepared. So, obviously. We call him John the Baptist for a reason, because he was baptizing people, right? (laughs) No, it's because he was part of the Southern Baptist denomination. Have you heard that? (laughs) Oh, I've heard that. (laughs) 
He's our original, brother. He's our original right there. Yeah, well, John the Baptist. It's right there in the Bible. You ain't got John Church of Christ. You got right. John the Baptist right there in the Bible, huh? John, he's not Preach John the Methodist or John the Presbyterian. John the, <laughs> John the Lutheran. John the Episcopalian. So, and Lord help us if it's John the Catholic. It's definitely John the Baptist. <laughs> so... Uh, which is funny because if that's uh, if that's what you hold on to, then there's there's some shockers coming up here. So, um, Ooh, so the interesting. So so the faith heritage that I grew up with probably made baptism like took baptism a whole lot more serious. Is that you beeping or is that me beeping? You hear that beeping? I'm not beeping. No, that's weird. Okay, so. <laughs> And hopefully it won't be on the recording. Oh, no. I hear some beeping happening. Okay. So, we'll um, so one of the things that like in the faith heritage I grew up in was like baptism was a big thing. Like it's a very, very important thing. Like it was like uh, regenerational baptism type of stuff. Not there now, but that's, that's, you know, what I grew up with. And so there's always been this right. kind of question about, John the Baptist and what he's doing and why. Like, what exactly right. is that baptism? Because we see it happening first. Like, the first reference to baptism really in the Bible is from John and this thing that's happening with John. Right. So, the question that comes up is... Is this the exact same thing we're doing today? Like, was was John the first thing, or the first one to do what we're doing now? Um, as Christians, so yeah, that's a that's a, that's a really good question. I mean, we've always just assumed. I mean, you, you see depictions of John the Baptist baptizing, and it looks just like everything we we do right in today's baptism service yeah so it's a good question and of course even jesus was uh baptized so the question this will also lead into why jesus as himself was uh baptized uh, because i'm going to present the case that what john was doing is not what we do. It's it's not the same thing. Um, I think there's a there's a different re- reason behind it. Uh, hang on one second. I am getting a major echo and it's driving me crazy. Hang on. Okay, can you still hear me? Okay, I can so this is better. So anyway, uh, I want to talk about why what John was doing is not exactly the same thing as to what uh, Peter and company began doing in Acts 2, whenever they began baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, And I know this can be uh, somewhat confusing, but I want to look at the reason why John was baptizing people. And what is baptism? Like, what was baptism even something that was um, that Jesus created? Like, 
we think of it as a Christian thing, but it actually predates Christianity. It is a Judaic is a, a a Judaic thing, like it's a Hebrew thing as well. Um, so baptism was actually a part of mm. the Jewish religion prior to John. No one was going, "Why are you dunking people in the water?" Like they they knew what baptism was. They disagreed with him baptizing the people he was baptizing. And that's very, that's very important. And the reason why is because if we look to see what exactly uh, baptism was in ancient Judea, it was a religious ablution signifying purification or consecration. So... <clears throat> okay. So what you're saying... Is that John wasn't Correct. the person that invented baptism to begin with, which is what a lot of people right. believe, that John was like the first bab- baptizer, right? And not only that, but his baptism um, looks a lot different than our baptism today, and they were upset uh, with yes. who he was and, and so I'll get to that a little bit. So what, what, what they were doing was, uh, okay. in ancient Judaism, uh, Judaism they, they were like... Um, baptizing uh, people for a consecration or purification. So I want to uh, quote um, the legend of the Jews, which is an ancient writing, or it's a compilation of some ancient um, myths and beliefs by Lewis Ginsburg. He says here in chapter three, just as one who is to be admitted to Judaism must first submit to the three ceremonies of circumcision, <coughs> baptism, and sacrifice, so Israel did not receive the Torah until they performed these three ceremonies. Okay, so this is giving you a look back into ancient Judaism. So uh, if you were a Gentile and and wanted to become a Jew, like if you weren't born a Jew, you could still uh, become ceremonial, uh, a ceremonial Jew. You could actually uh, step into... Uh, the Jewish faith as what they would call a proselyte. And in order to become a proselyte, in order to do this, to be converted to Judaism, you had to be circumcised, if you were a male, you had to be baptized, and you had to offer sacrifice. So those three things, like, made you uh, Jewish. And so even even the, the, the ancient tabernacle, the ancient temple, right. they had a big um, washing labor, uh, labor out in front of it that was used for um, ceremonial washings and this sort of thing. In order to enter, uh, the priests had to be ceremonially washed or baptized before they could enter into the temple or the tabernacle. Um, so you also have, and, and they get a lot of this from Ezekiel chapter 36, Verses 24 to 25, it says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. So there's this this mentality that in order to uh, come into the Jewish faith, you had to wash. You had to 
to cleanse yourself of impurities uh, before God in a ceremonial way, and that right that's what this was this, about. This uh, so this idea of ceremonial washing was something that wasn't new to the Jews. It was a I mean, it goes all the way back in the Tanakh. You can read it over and over again. You can see the Levitical priests, anytime they would offer a sacrifice or anytime they would do any kind of temple wor- worship, they would have to ceremonially wash themselves, right, mm-hmm. to, to become clean. And so there's a picture in Scripture all the way back in Genesis of, uh, well, yeah, right around Genesis of uh, this idea of washing with water to make yourself ceremonially clean, ceremonially, mm-hmm. is that a word? <laughs> Ceremoniously? <laughs> I don't know how you say that. Pretty close. I mean. To make your, yeah, to make yourself clean, um, sin wise, to purify yourself from sin. Mm. That was the idea of this, this water washing. And so you're right. This is a old thing that, uh, that, that John is showing here. Well, right. Well, yeah, what he's doing is, um, <clears throat> and I think there's a little different reason in his baptism that pops up here, but it's nothing new to them. Like they knew what this action was. What confused them was um, exactly how he was doing it. So some believe that um, John was actually part of the Essene sect. Uh, we don't get a lot about them in the New right. Testament. We we hear about the Pharisees and we hear about the Sadducees, but we don't hear a lot about the Essenes, which was a third major sect of the Jews. Um, what makes us think that John might have been an Essene was because of, of how the scriptures describe his mode of dress and his diet. Like that's very, they, these Essenes, they didn't want anything to do with the ceremonial practices of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were largely out in the wilderness, you know. <laughs> yeah, they had separated themselves completely from the the mainstream Jewish population because they believed that, uh, from what I think, if I'm remembering right, they really believed that the Jewish population was under God's judgment, and so they they removed themselves completely from yeah. that that set, that the temple worship and all of that. Um, so what they were doing was, uh, but they were devout. They were very devout. And yeah. in fact, they took baptism very seriously, uh, to such a degree that it was very common for the Essenes to, they believed that you could not even speak God's name in prayer without undergoing baptism before your daily prayer. So they would have like a ceremonial washing every morning before going into prayer. So you can see that this this concept of baptism was not new, and and different groups viewed it a little bit differently. Um, and however, what was interesting was that John was primarily, as he's going around and and doing all the things that we read about in uh, the Gospels, is he's calling Jews to repentance. He's calling Jews to bapti- to be baptized. And and this, in general, was not a practice, except for among the Essenes. The Jews weren't baptized because they didn't need to be. Right. They were born into it. They didn't need to be right. baptized. So what was happening and what was causing this commotion and causing the stir was that John was calling 
Jews yeah. to be baptized. And they were like, the leaders, the Pharisees were like, what? Like, why? Like, why are we, we're already Jews. And if you read through it very carefully and read what it's, it says, like Matthew 3, verse 1 through 2 says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And here's what he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's talking to Jews and he's telling them, repent and basically be baptized. In Mark 1, 4, it says John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism right. of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he's basically telling the Jews, not only do the Gentiles need to be washed and cleaned, you need to be yeah. washed and cleaned. You Jews need to be washed and cleaned and repent of your sins. Whereas in their minds, they're like, wait a minute, we're already clean because we are the chosen people of God. And we do our sacrifices every year. That's what makes us clean. So you're, this was revolutionary in that he was saying, no, you need to repent of your sins. So he's, he is using baptism almost as a replacement for the temple sacrifice. He's telling them, you need to repent and be washed and be clean, cleansed because you're a sinful person. Right. That's not the message the Jews were used to hearing. Right. It was completely um, different from what they understood baptism to mean. And, I mean, it, that's a big deal when you're telling a Jewish person, uh, especially during this time, that they are not, <laughs> they're not clean simply because they were born a Jew. That's a big deal, right? Wow. Yeah. And Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize you with water. For repentance, but he who but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I want to talk just a second about the word baptism. The word baptism is not an English word. We transliterated it from the Greek, right. like baptizo was the Greek word. We've just transliterated it. It technically it right. means immersed, um, and so you can almost every time you see the word baptize or baptized in the in the Bible, you could replace it with the word immersed, and it works like same it's word. it's That's the right. same type of thing, right? So um, so he is saying here that I am immersing people with water for repentance. So he comes very clear, very clear on why he's doing it. He's not doing it. He's not saying I'm baptizing you in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Who they didn't even know yet, <laughs> right? He's telling them I'm baptizing you for repentance. I need you to repent and cleanse yourself, wash yourselves, because you're sinful people. And. Um, right. This would make sense because he's the forerunner, right? Yes. Yes. So he's the he's the bringer of, of good news of the kingdom of heaven that, that is coming. And so his whole job, God placed him there. So I'm teaching actually through Mark with my students. And last yes. week Very good. we did the baptism of Jesus. And mm -hmm. one of the things that, that came up is, so why... Number one, I think it's really odd that God chose for his forerunner to be this weird mm -mm. outside 
the yeah. culture. Crazy man. <laughs> do, crazy man from the desert. You know, you, you'd think that because here's the deal. Mark, Mark, the reason Mark's writing is to answer two questions. Number one, who is Jesus? And number two, what is his good news mm-hmm. or what is his mm-hmm. gospel? Right. And his answer is Jesus, the Messiah, and his gospel yes. is the good news of, of the kingdom. So anyways, mm-hmm. staying all that, you, you have to look at this and you go, okay, so it would make sense in, in my view or my understanding it would make sense for God to choose as the forerunner, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the leader of the Sanhedrin or somebody like that, because Jesus is such a big deal. I mean, he is the Messiah coming and who does God choose? God chooses this weird <laughs> outside the norm desert dude to come. And what is his message? What's the desert dude dude's message? Hey, it's happening. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is coming. Yes. So you need to prepare yourselves. You need to, be baptized yes, to for be, the remission to re- of your for sins, repentance. right? Yes. Or the forgiveness of your sins. Mm-hmm. For repentance of your sins, so that's right. The, yeah, so, and so the, the first big thing is repentance. Like he continually, like all throughout his message, you, you just every time he speaks, look at what he says. Repent, 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 repent. That's his big, that's his big message. Right. You are right. a sinner. So if you think about it, that's the key to understanding the gospel all the way around. Like you can't understand the gospel until you understand you're a sinner. Like that's the, like until you realize you're not, your, your deeds aren't going to get you to heaven. Like you have to realize that before you can even realize that you need a G you need a savior. You need Jesus. So he's not even bringing up Jesus much, yeah. except for he's saying, there's somebody coming ahead of me who is going to be greater than me, and he's going to immerse you not only in water, he's going to immerse you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. Um, mm. And so then the second thing that John's uh, baptism is doing is, like you said, preparation. He's preparing the way for Jesus. He's starting to chisel on these people's hearts and tell them, you're a sinner, right. you're a sinner, That's you're good. a sinner. You're all sinners. Like this is the Oprah Winfrey of the day. You all get a baptism. You get a baptism. You get a baptism. <laughs> so he's, he's dunking them all in the water because they're sinners. Like that's kind of what he's going. And he, so in Matthew right. chapter three, verse three, it says for This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we see that this is John's job. Preparation. How is he choosing to to prepare? By telling people, you need to be cleansed. The Gentiles aren't the only ones who need to be washed. You need to be washed. John 1 Verse 25 to 27, it says, And they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. (laughs) But among you stands one uh, you not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. So it's kind of the same passage we read earlier, but again, he is reiterating that this is just a, a picture this is just a symbol. I'm baptizing with water, but I'm not the guy. 
uh, I'm preparing the way for a guy right. who's going to do more than what I'm doing. Uh, Luke 1, verse 17, he says, And he will go before him in yep. the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So, right. so he's the he's the trailer for the movie, right? So yes. you watch the trailer to get excited about the coming of the movie. And that's what John is doing. He's getting the people excited for the coming of the Messiah. He's turning their hearts towards Jesus. And he's telling them to prepare themselves for what's coming. So my whole life, I've heard all this. I've heard, well, I say all of this. I've heard that John's baptism was for repentance and that he is the preparer of the way, Right. But how is he preparing? What is he preparing? Uh, he's preparing their hearts. Yes. Like he's telling them they're sinners and they need to repent, which is a message the Jews never got. They never got this. Like it was like, okay, we're doing an annual sacrifice to cover our butts. Like that's <laughs> that's what... That's their their modus operandi, right. right? It was like annually we're gonna wash it all clean and start over. Like this is what they're used mm. to doing. And all of a sudden a guy jumps in play and says, No, you this isn't good enough. You've gotta be cleansed, you gotta be washed, you gotta, gotta be clean. And he uses baptism as the method to get into their brains that they're broken, sinful people and they need uh, something right. greater than than what he's yeah. even providing. That's great. Um, now, the verse that just blew me away on this whole topic is um, Luke chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. So, in this passage in Luke, it's a weird situation. John's in prison, and John's worried. He's like, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Are you the guy? Because I really need to know. Because <laughs> otherwise, I've screwed up. Otherwise, I'm in jail for the wrong reason. By the way, this verse gives I, and, me so much comfort about my doubts. I just want to say that real quick. Because yes. you read earlier where, I mean, John sees Jesus on the banks of the river, and he shouts out, Behold, mm, the Lamb with confidence, of God right? Yeah, he's come to take away the sins of the world, right? Yeah. He watches. He literally, he's there at the baptism of Jesus when the spirit descends on him like a dove and the heavens open up and the father cries out, this is my son. And yet he still sends messengers to Jesus when he's in prison at probably one of the darkest moments of his life right before his Mm -hmm. death to ask ask Jesus, are you really really the, the the son of God? Are you... Are you the guy? Are you sure? Because <laughs> if not, I've wasted my entire life on this Yeah, because I'm not coming back from this. <laughs> and right. um, That's a big deal. So, And it's legit. Like, I mean, who wouldn't have that worry? I mean, he, he, yes, right. he spoke with confidence. But, I mean, this is just a picture. He is supposed to be a picture of Elijah, right? I mean, that's right. what... 
That's what even Jesus says. He's the Elijah that is to come. Like he's, <laughs> he is the Elijah that everyone's looking for. Well, look at Elijah. He was confident at the, at the, the altar of, of Baal, like <laughs> fire yeah, came down. Yeah. And then what's he do? He goes off into the, into the wilderness and he's like, I don't Just know, man. Me. Just kill me now. <laughs> I, I'm the only one left. God's like, right. no. But okay, so anyway, I digress. But it, it that's kind of cool that you see the same pattern, and John is the Elijah that is to come. Um, so, good. but anyway, a, after after these messengers come and they inquire of Jesus and they say, uh, "Are you the real one?" Because John really needs to know. Uh, Jesus's message was, "Tell them about the miracles." Just go show him all the things I'm doing, and he'll be he'll be he'll be cool, right? Um, so, but here's the verse that gets me. It's the verse after the messengers leave, because mm. uh, Jesus turns and then talks to the people around him about it. And he so it says when John's messengers had gone. This is Luke seven twenty four. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. He says. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Well, behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in the king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now here's this cool parenthetical statement that, that Luke adds into this little statement. He says, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, <laughs> which is important because they knew they were sinners, right? He says, when all the people right. heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just. Now listen to this. Mm. Having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Hmm. Okay, so this to me is the most important verse to understanding John's purpose of baptism, what he's doing here. He says that all the Jews who heard Jesus say, John's a great guy, John's preparing the way, John's the one that was spoken of, and no one's greater than John except for you guys. Y'all are the least in the kingdom, and y'all are even better than him. When everyone heard that, whenever the 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 sinners of the day, the tax collectors, when they heard that, they rejoiced because they were like, because they had been baptized by John and their hearts had been prepared. They had already declared themselves sinners. They had already declared themselves needing repentance. They had repented. They were in a they were in a loose and uh, susceptible state, right? Their hearts had been plowed to hear the message of Jesus. Oh, that's powerful. 
But then it says, but the ones who didn't, the Pharisees rejected him. The, The Pharisees rejected God in their lives. And it tells you why. Because they were not baptized. Yep. Because they weren't ready to accept they w- that type of baptism and accept the fact that they needed a savior. They needed repentance. Yes. Mm. Yes. So, th- so th- without knowing that you need s- that you need a savior, without having your heart plowed for that s- t- to let you know you need to repent and you need to. You need to be cleansed. Like without that knowledge, that's right. You're not going to accept Jesus. That's the truth. And so that to me, that's a perfect picture of what this preparation was. It wasn't just, uh, you know, he's a herald. It wasn't just that he was shouting in the wilderness, "Hey, Jesus is coming." It was he was a plower of hearts of men to get them into the water mm. of cleansing, just so that they would know they need it that they need a savior. And so to me, this was the, the, the big thing. And, and to kind of drive all that home, we can look at Jesus's teachings uh, concerning, like he, he loved to use these images of harvesting uh, in his teaching. Right. Uh, we all know the, um, the parable of the sower, mm-hmm. right? And at the end of that, he says in, ver- in Matthew 13, 23, he says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, 100, in another 60, and another 30. So he, what is Jesus saying? He was like, the heart has to be prepared to receive the word. It has to be, uh, uh, it has to be tilled. The soil needs to be broken up so that it can receive the message, and that was John's job, and that's what his baptism was. It was a plowing of these hearts, getting them ready so that they would yield good fruit. Uh, in John 4, 37 and 38, he says, For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. This is Jesus talking about the woman at the well who went to um, the Samaritan city and uh, basically did all the preaching for them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and so his point to to them was basically like, you're going to get to reap this harvest you didn't sow. And he's basically uh, using the same example that John exemplified. That, you know, Jesus didn't have to till the hearts of all these people because John had already done it. And they were listening. They were ready to hear what Jesus had to say. Wow, that's pretty powerful. I mean, even even Paul, uh, later on in the Corinthian letter, the first Corinthian letter, uh, talks about how many people are involved in this process. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says... I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Wow. Uh, So again, that's the kind of the purpose of, of, um, of, of John's baptism. Now, one of the things that, 
that kind of drives this home too is later on, if we're reading in, Ma- in Acts and we get to chapter 19, we have this situation where Paul is traveling around. He's preaching God. He's preaching Jesus. He, uh, he encounters this guy named Apollos uh, who only knew the baptism of John. He didn't know about Jesus yet. He didn't know the full story. And um, Bill and Aquila uh, kind of brought Apollos in and said, no, 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 you're not getting it all. Well, we find out that Paul Paul runs into some disciples who heard Apollos and were converted, but there's something missing. So I want to read uh, Acts 19, verse 1 through 7. It says, and it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and they found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we have, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, into what were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. <laughs> and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when P- when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were 12 men in all. That's so now, interesting. Hmm. Yes, these people had been baptized. Right. But they, but they weren't baptized into Jesus. They were baptized the same way that, that John was baptizing. So their hearts were prepared. They knew they were sinners. They knew they needed something greater. They had they, their hearts were ready because the minute Paul said Jesus, this is what Jesus does, bam! All of them were like, "Well, let's do this again." Right? Let's. <laughs> so they had repented. Let's, they had repented, but they hadn't received forgiveness through Christ yet. That's that's yes. what I get from this. They didn't. The point is, the baptism of Jesus is literally the baptism of the forgiveness of sins, the death, burial, and resurrection, the identity of of Jesus's sacrifice mm-hmm. on the cross, which is a big thing, right? It's, it's not just ritualistic washing or not just repentance, but it's actual faith in Jesus Christ. The, yes. This passage does a great job of showing the difference, showing that they're, they're not the same right. thing. What John was doing and what we're doing are not the same thing. John was doing something that was preparing people for Jesus and getting their hearts ready to accept them, but they weren't the sa- the water wasn't right. saving them. It was simply a picture of cleansing yeah. that they needed. So what? And and just like now, the water doesn't save us. That's not what the baptism yeah. of a Christian does. It doesn't save us. It simply identifies us save with us. Him. That's right. So that yes, so we're 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 basically putting on a picture we're putting on Christ by going through this um which leads me into uh a follow-up thing that I wanted to do here which is well, wait a minute Jesus was baptized by John yeah that's such an interesting <laughs> thing <there>. what the <laughs> heck <laughs> like how's this how does this work in yeah, ever since I was a little kid I always wondered this because um, if Jesus is pure from the get-go, if he'd never sinned, mm-hmm. then why in the world is he getting baptized 
by John, which is a baptism for the repentance of sin, right? Right. How does that work? So so let's look at it for a second. So first let's read the story. Matthew 3, uh, verse 14 to 17. Do you have your Bible up there? Or do you want me to read uh, I've got it. Yeah, you want me to read okay, it? Okay, Matt, Matthew 3, 14 through 17. says, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Oh, man. So much cool thing. So many cool things happening <laughs> yeah. here. Um, but it, con- it is also confusing because... Having learned what we just learned about John's baptism, why would Jesus? Even John's confused. Right. He's like, "You're gonna <laughs> have me baptize you, dude? I'm not worthy to tie your sandals, and here you want me to baptize you? That's nuts." <laughs> yes. So, but Jesus gives him a reason. He says, "It it must happen to fulfill all righteousness." Yeah. Uh, so let's let's focus on that. What, so what's he what's he saying? What's Jesus saying? Um, well, one of the things I wanted to to point out is Galatians three verse twenty seven. So <laughs> this is this is a passage of Paul talking to the Galatians, and he's reminding them that they've been baptized into Jesus. But he says, "For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ." So our bapti- our baptism with into Christ is our identification right. with him. So uh and so this is I'm laying the foundation for why I think Jesus is being baptized. So we we get baptized mm-hmm. to identify with him. Like we see it as a picture of death, burial right. and resurrection. Like that's what baptism represents for us as Christians is I'm I am going to die with Jesus. I'm going to be buried with Jesus. I'm going to be resurrected with Jesus. And that identifies me as his. It's like putting on a wedding ring at the ceremony, right? It's uh, The wedding is something that happens internally, but the, but the wedding ring is a, signif- is a, is a signifier, right. is a, a symbol, symbol of what's mm-hmm. happened. Which is what baptism is for us. We're putting on Christ. We're 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 putting on this identification of Him. Um, so, but if we go to Philippians two and read the mind of Christ, Philippians two verse five through seven, this is good. Have this have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count quality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man or in men. So think about what Jesus did. He was born in a manger, like the most lowly type of thing possible and in the filth. And he emptied himself. He, he became a man. 
And we know through all the the scriptures and the Nicene Council and all the other councils that that have happened, all this debate about who's Jesus, what what's the nature of nature of Christ, Jesus, what's yeah. the, the nature of Jesus, and we come to the to the to the identification that he is fully God, but also fully man. Right. So uh, he says. Listen to what, think about it for a second, what John says to him. I'm not worthy to be baptized you. Why? Because you're God. Because <laughs> you're fully God. Right. I'm not worthy to be baptized by you. He says, but yet I need to do it so that all righteousness will be fulfilled. So what he's saying is that just like we identify with Jesus when we are baptized, Jesus chose to be identified with us. Even though he had no sins to repent of, he went through the motion of that to signify his manhood, that he is identifying with us, sinful man. This is the servant Jesus we're seeing right here, by the way, which is beautiful. I mean, it's this great picture. Yes. He doesn't sit on the throne from the get-go. He comes down and he serves. And the Son of Man didn't come. That's what Mark says. One Mm -hmm. of his biggest things about who Jesus is, is the Messiah, is a suffering servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, right? And this is right here at the Mm -hmm. very beginning of his ministry. What's the first thing he does is identify with us in our weakness by being baptized and setting the example for yes. us to follow. Which is so... so think about it. You got a whole line of sinners that just went through the right. water saying, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Yeah. I need to be redeemed. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need to be cleansed. Jesus goes through the motion, even though he didn't need to be cleansed himself. Right. He went through the motion to signify that I'm you. I'm, I'm like you. I'm just like you. And hence... His, his sacrifice on the cross. This is a picture of him taking our place. This is substitutional atonement. This is the beginning of right. it, right? And and here's one of the cool things for me. When we read that passage about what happened, if we read it closely, we see that the whole Godhead shows up at this event. He's fully right. fully God, fully man. He identifies with man in an act of repentance when he didn't need to repent. So the Son enters the water, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and the Father speaks out from heaven. It's just like the... the, the, God right here. Yes. Everything shows up at one point. At this point in history, I believe is like, aside from the cross, one of the most important things that ever happened. Because it was a it was a complete signification of who Jesus is and what he is to do, uh, and the power yeah. that that he's going to have to do it uh, through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, so anyway, um, just as a conclusion, concluding thoughts. So John's baptism was specifically for repentance, not identification with Jesus, uh, like ours is. Right. But it was specifically about repentance, and without Jesus, it didn't do any good. Right, like all it did was all it did was let everybody know 
They're sinners and need to be purified. That's right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, John's baptism was a preparing of the way for Jesus by plowing the hearts of Jesus's for Jesus's seeds. Right. So he's he basically went through and plowed the field that Jesus would be sowing the seeds in, and we see that those that were sinners and knew they were sinners received it and were glad for it, and those who did not receive the baptism, those who were hard of heart and thought they were righteous already. They rejected yep. it, right? The seeds took didn't take uh, ground. And finally, we see that ba- Jesus was baptized by John to fulfill all righteousness by identifying with our sins while embodying all of the Trinity, thus revealing his nature of fully God and fully man. Amen. That's pretty powerful. So that's study. The significance <laughs> of Jesus' baptism and John's baptism. That's pretty awesome. Whew. Well, yeah. I learned something today. I hope you did too. And the more oh, you yes. know. <laughs> All, always. And that's the cool thing. Like we're always, we're always learning and we're always growing. And it's so odd because I've always thought there was a difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism. But I couldn't really put my thumb on it or put my finger on it. Um, I had never really dove into it deep enough before looking at this. Mm. Well, yeah, it's a pretty powerful picture of uh, of repentance and then of, of forgiveness of sin. That's beautiful. So, dude, I am so excited we're back doing Theonauts. I hope that this time it sticks <laughs> and uh, we keep doing this every week. So be listening in. We'll even throw in some Theo trivia and bring you back some older segments. I don't know. Maybe I'll do some news segments at some point. We'll find out. But uh, I'm I'm glad to be back in the studio virtually with you, David. It's been a blessing, man. Oh, you man. too, man. I, I, I don't even know how to end the thing. It's been so long since we... <laughs> oh, we didn't even look up our show notes, did we? No. The Theonauts is part oh, of the yeah. commission transition. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, I don't even think I have that on my thing anymore. Yeah, I don't even. Why don't we just. (laughs) Why don't we end this one with just some goodbyes and some nice outro music? Okay. And we'll get our uh, end notes going for next week. Bear with us, folks. It's It's been a while since we've done this. Yeah. Getting back in the saddle again. Yeah, we're back at you. So let me just hit some of these stingers and see what happens. Go ahead. I'm trying. Oh, no. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. I'm here to tell you that each and every time you spoon into a bowl of Lucky Charms, you might as well be partaking of Lucifer's Sacrament. Sometimes you're bad!
Don't be jerks. <laughs> You're one of the sorriest church members I had. You're not worth 50 cents. <laughs> I don't go to sleep while I'm talking. Hey, hey, hey. Don't, don't you lay your head back. I, I'm, I'm important. <laughs>